Welcome to the CRE Shark Eye Show, where we discuss commercial real estate. This is your host, Ishai Breslauer. Here we meet every Monday to talk commercial real estate and prop tech. We will dive deep into the different asset classes, discuss the market, talk about the new and exciting technologies, meet key people in the industry, and get some inspiration. Let's begin. Hey guys, before we start, I just want to point out the six best secrets for commercial real estate. It's a free download. Go to the text side and you will find it. It has absolutely great information, completely free, how to become a landlord, how to determine the value of a property, or creative financing for commercial real estate. All of it is completely free. Go download it. Also, I want to point out my CRE crash course. It's a two-week must-have program with a must-have skills for commercial real estate, like investment strategies, the must-have financial terms, how a deal is done. Go take a look at it, go to the text side, and click on the link. And now, let's continue with our program. Hey, guys, how are you? This is Ishai Breslauer, your host of the CRE Shark Eye Show. Hope you guys are doing great today. We have Nicole Pendergrass and... She is all about doing multifamily and doing real estate. And we're going to hear and learn a lot about what she does. And she's going to give us great tips. Nicole, thanks so much for being with us on the show. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ijay, for having me here. I really appreciate um, you allowing me to come on and share my story with your audience. My pleasure. And I can't, you know, I can't wait to hear it. But before we start, if you could give us like a two-minute elevator pitch of what you do exactly. Okay, so I invest in multifamily assets, and I like to bring that opportunity to underserved and minority underprivileged population so that to help them build wealth. So right now I'm starting off on smaller asset classes, but I'm working with the team right now looking for the larger ones so that we can, the numbers support bringing additional investors on to partner with us, especially from those communities. And we're going to dig into all this stuff and to hear exactly what you do, you did, and what you were looking to do and how you're looking into growing uh, your business and your investment portfolio, et cetera, which I'm sure will be very exciting to dig into that. But before we get into this whole thing, how did you get into real estate? What was the thing that got you in there? What's your story? And I'm sure you got a really juicy story for us. So go ahead. Well, my story starts quite a while ago, a few years after uh, graduating from college, when I had no money, I had no credit score. Well, I had a credit score, but it wasn't a good credit score. And um, I basically was looking for that way out. I had just started my job for a couple of years. And I already, I think, I don't know if I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but my boyfriend at the time had brought me along to a three-day Rich Dad, Poor Dad conference. And then it opened my eyes to the possibilities of normal people investing in real estate and that is actually possible and you don't have to be a big institution with millions or billions of dollars and so i said okay that's my way out i had already been searching for something else to do with my life because i didn't think i was going to continue on the pre-med path and go to med school um so that's kind of how i started and i jumped in with no resources and and nothing but i jumped into the education full force tried a bunch of different strategies some failed ventures struggled along the way and just kept going at it. And eventually, I was able to purchase a three-family house hack that I lived in one unit. 
disclaimer to the others because I really believed in the power of multifamily and the scalability, et cetera. And that was my way to kind of get my foot into the door. Uh, holding that for a few years, it definitely was not a piece of cake. Uh, real estate is not for the faint of heart. You have to have a little bit of thick skin unless you want to be passive. Then you don't, you can just go on with your life. And you don't have to worry about the day to day. But if you want to be active, you kind of, you got to learn to roll with the punches. So I did that for a few years and was able to refinance because of the appreciation in the area. And that just spearheaded me into the next level, um, getting into commercial real estate. And so, you able know, to so no, Nicole, sorry, sorry, I'm stopping you. And we're going to get into yeah. all that. But what yeah. I'm really, really interested in right now, you have a very, very cool story. And I'm sure that a lot of people are, are listening to you right now, watching you, listening to you right now, whatever, is me, whatever medium you guys are listening at. And listening to, uh, and they're asking themselves, okay, okay, meaning you are just at that place where I am right now. And please share with us where you were, what you felt, and what was the thing that got you? I got, I got the point, meaning you got to a conference, etc. But I'm sure a lot of mixed feelings came in, meaning I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, what got you into this whole meaning, mixing the limiting beliefs into the actual? Let's do this. Let's start learning. What did you learn first? Why did you go? I'm sorry, I'm getting digging into it because this is really interesting. No, it's, that's good. Um, so it all starts with your why, right? Why you're doing this. I'm sure your listeners have heard this plenty of times. You have to have a why. You have to have a why. So the why is so that when you hit hard times, you have something stronger than the roadblock that will help push you through the roadblock. My why at the time was supporting my mom. It, that is still part of my why. My why has grown and expanded since then. We can get into that later. But when I started, it was supporting my mom. I wanted to retire her early. Um, I grew up in a family of five kids, a family of seven. So my mom, my dad, five, four brothers that I have, I'm the oldest. And um, at the time that I joined real estate or started that first program, after that three-day program, I was the one that jumped up to go run to the back of the room and sign up for the coaching class. And like I said, I didn't have money or credit or anything, but my mom accompanied me and she believed in the power of real estate at that time. She believed in the opportunity and she believed in me. And so she helped support funding me getting into the venture because we didn't know how else to do it. We thought like if this opportunity passed us that, you know, how else do you get into real estate if I don't do this program? You know, so that's just what my limiting belief and lack of knowledge was at the point. And so she helped spearhead that. And so growing up, my when dad was that? Was all, when was that? That was two thousand. That was in two thousand and ten. Uh huh. So that was the same year that my dad passed. So he was oh. on disability for as long as I can remember, and didn't work. And my mom had to work two or three jobs for as long as I could remember to support the rest of the family. So I always just saw her work hard, work all the time, and still come home and have energy to want to go out and do things with her five kids, which I only have two kids now, and that amazes me. I don't know how she did it because I can't keep up with my two kids now, right? But um, so that was the spearhead into the motivation for me to keep pushing even through all the failed attempts and the endeavors is because I felt like even if she hadn't had the money to put into the um, – the program for me, I still would have owed her, right? I wanted to give her a better life. I wanted her to not have to work so hard. Like even now she has one job, thankfully, but she still works overtime all the time. I don't know. I think she just 
is used to being busy, doesn't want to sit home. She's like a busy body, but I want her to have the option, you know, like I don't want her to have to do overtime to pay her bills, right? So that's kind of where my why started and what motivated me to keep going and keep pushing through all that time. And it took me a little longer than some other people to get the ball really rolling because I was working with such limited resources starting off and I didn't know how to leverage um, connections and grow my network. I wasn't a natural networker. I didn't have people in my family with money or people friends with money or anything to leverage that. So I had to just networking and I did network, but I didn't know how to take it to that next level. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just possible. And I just think if I can do it from where I was starting that, Anyone really can, you know, there's, there's no excuses if you want to make it happen. Tell me something. What was the first thing you learned about real estate? And that got you like the aha moment of saying, wow, this can be done. Obviously at that point you were still, it was still premature for you, but what was the point where you say, okay, this is, this can be done and, and actually led you to the first, I would say the first phase of self-education when it comes to real estate. Well, I mean, it goes back to that three-day conference. They were really good at marketing and putting it out there and letting you know what people have gone through and what they had achieved. So when I heard about the strategy, I think, of wholesaling, where you can basically just market, find a property that's distressed, and then you can flip it without ever owning the property, and you didn't have to actually put a down payment. You know, I was coming, that's, and that's a strategy that they tell a lot of people who are new into the field, especially if you don't have a lot of money or a good credit, that that's a, a great strategy to get into. And it is, but I think it's a lot, it's easy, but it's, it's a simple process, but it's not an easy process. So it's basically one of those things where it was a lot more work than I thought. And I kept going with it. <laughs> and I teamed up with people. I brought some people along because I knew partnerships were key in real estate. You can't do it by yourself kind of mentality. And that led to actually, so that was, that was the aha moment to answer the question. Um, and I just kept pushing because I had seen, I had been in so many, after that initial um, coaching that I entered, I did all the steps like join your local RIA, go out and network, meet people, like go to conferences. So I, I was in everything. I was flying to conferences. I was going to the local RIA every month. Um, and so I was getting those people and I was hearing those stories constantly about the success that people had created in real estate, even when they started with nothing. So I knew it was possible. And I saw so many people, I'm like, these all people can't be colluding together to trick people into getting into real estate. Their experiences are so different, but it's all leading to like, if you put in the work, this can be done. So I knew it was possible. So I said, I just got to keep, keep pushing. I just got to keep doing it. It'll happen one day. You know, I don't know when, I don't know what it'll look like, but I know if I keep in it, something will happen. Tell me something. What was the first deal like? You said you lived in it and then you rented it out. What was, how, how did that go? Meaning you finally got your first thing. How did that work for you? Okay. So, uh, I mean, I, there were a lot of first things that didn't work. <laughs> um, in wholesaling, we ended up, uh, the group that I, I got together, we ended up getting a condo under contract. I'm in the New York City area, so it was a really tough market here. Um, we got a condo under contract, but we could never flip it. So we ended up just getting out of that contract. So that's technically the first thing. The next thing was with the New York City RIA that I had joined, we were going on uh, market tours. Like we had flown to Detroit 
and met with a bunch of professionals there. We saw and heard all the things that were happening in the downtown area. At the time that we went, it was probably like 2012, 2013. And even though it was pretty early in the repositioning of Detroit, there was a lot happening downtown. There were millions and hundreds of millions of dollars going on in that area. So we thought, That's oh, right. this is great. We'll be, we'll be right ahead of the curve, right? But none of us were from Detroit. The only professionals we had on the ground were the ones we had met during the market tour. And um, I don't, I think we should have probably had someone either from there or someone who was living there be like our connection um, in that market to really know block by block. So we bought four properties, um, four single family properties at the tax auction, rehabbed, rent them out. That was the, the ideal. And the, the bigger picture was to, as we established our business there, to really help rent to underserved populations and to actually rent to different social services and things of that nature. Um, and we never got that far because just all that, like that could be a whole podcast in itself if I say all the things that would happen uh, working in Detroit. But we ended up selling those properties at a loss and dissolving. So I remember the Detroit, by the way, 100%, meaning I agree 100%, we have tried uh, some acquisitions over there and it never happened. But it's a very interesting market and obviously evolved throughout the years. Um, going now forward to that deal that actually did happen, and, and you said yourself that at that point, meaning obviously multifamily was like a goal, was a target. You wanted to go through it uh, because of the scalability of this asset class, and obviously, it's, which is what we preach, obviously, as opposed to the single family homes, even though a lot of people make a lot of money on single family homes. It's just that if you want to really grow in a very significant way, you go to multifamily in the commercial real estate, you know, to the side of the commercial real estate. Tell us, you started telling us about your move into commercial real estate. Can you talk about that a little bit? Okay, sure. Um, so how that happened was in 2019, I refinanced my three-family home and it had a lot of equity in the property. So I was able to pull that out and I was able to use some of that. I knew I needed, I wanted to get into commercial and into the bigger deal. So I knew I needed a mentorship or education around it, like a team of people with resources and experience, like a coach who, if I'm underwriting a property, they can overlook, you know, look over my shoulder and say, oh, no, you didn't think about this, or, you know, you should look at that because I was still new getting into that space. And within real estate, every different um, subcategory is so, so different that you really need to have somebody looking and, and let you know, I didn't want to make a newbie mistake when I got into the commercial side because you're thinking, dealing with bigger numbers and, and all of that. Um, so how that happened was basically my network. I had been networking for a while. Um, after 2019, I joined that same year into the coaching community, networking within that coaching community. I also joined a mastermind, networking within that mastermind. And COVID hit 2020, as everyone knows. So every like every week I was on so many calls because every time I'd get on a call with someone, they'd say, oh, you should talk to this person. You should talk to that person. You should talk to this person. So I just kind of got bounced around virtually networking with all these people that I got these mutually uh, beneficial type of introductions to. And then that led to someone who was in my market, who actually not even in the community that I joined at all, but he's working in that market. He was referred by somebody in the community and he really trusted him. So then I went into it with the mindset, okay, he must be a good guy because I know this guy is a good guy and I'll still bet. But, and we talked, we hit it off and there was a property that got listed 
in um in Allentown, Pennsylvania, that is the market, the Lehigh Valley area is the market that I focus on. And it got listed and I saw it and I said, oh, that looks like a good property for me to analyze for underwrite for, for practice purposes, right? The next day, my partner called me and said, hey, I don't know if you've seen this deal, but I think we should go in on it. My property management said that, it, that it's going to be a great deal to manage. It's gonna, it has great potential. So I said, okay, let's look at it. So we actually looked at it for real. And like two days later, we put in an offer and the next day it got accepted. How many so units were that? It's a six unit. Six so, unit? Yeah. So it was, it was a small enough entry point for me to feel comfortable because of my Great experience entry. with my three unit. Yeah. yeah. And it was, it was small enough capital wise for me to get into it myself with the partner and let's just split that instead of having to bring on maybe like syndication and, and LP partners at that point. And it was a good way for me to get my foot wet on the commercial side and really have proof of concept with the value add strategy, which is the strategy that we use for that property. And that's a strategy I was pretty much taught about uh, with my education community. Tell me something before we talk about the value add strategy you use and how you implemented it forward. Um, how would you guys deal with the debt? Meaning the equity side where you and the partner, I think that's a fantastic idea to come out with a small enough deal um, if you're capable and, and have very, very few partners before you deal with the whole syndication, you know, concept and, you know, the, the LP concept and, and all the fees, et cetera, et cetera, and, and how to split all those, you know, uh, uh, you know, backend, et cetera. Yeah. You come out with the equity. What do you guys do with the debt? Oh, there was no debt. Well, oh yeah, there's debt. Um, but our debt is a community bank local that my partner actually had used because my partner's already established in the market. He had a couple of um, properties there. So he already had the property management team. He already had uh, with a VP of the bank, like a good relationship. They had already used that bank plenty of times. And the bank and the, our banker and the um, property management company, their offices are literally right next door to each other. So when we had, we were putting in an offer, the bank walked the, the earnest money deposit next door to the property management company, which is also, also has a title inside, like they're vertically integrated. So he just already, I was fortunate enough to step into a team that was pretty much already established and they had a working relationship. And so we just partnered on this particular deal and he already had, you know, debt and things lined up. I think this is such a fantastic concept and I teach it you know, all the time. I tell people all the time because a lot of people are telling me, okay, I want to go into commercial real estate. I want to get into that thing. I can't even raise capital. I have friends who trust me. I can get money. But how do I sign the loan? I always tell them, you don't sign a loan at the beginning. Nobody will let you sign a loan. No bank will have you sign the loan unless you have a lot of money. But what do you do? You find a great partner. You find someone who's already in the business. You may have to you know, give up a lot more upfront or, you know, in terms of the split, but that's okay because it gets you in the front door of commercial real estate. And then you start building a track record with investors as well as with a bank or the financial institutions. I love that. Tell me something, moving from that point forward. Okay. And you built your business, which is called Neuer. Tell me, tell me if I'm saying it correctly. Neuervest. Uh, holdings. Is that correct? It's, it's pretty close. Norvest. Norvest. Nor, Nor, yeah. Nor, Norvest Holdings. 
What is it exactly? What do you guys have done? What do you strive for? Tell us a little bit about your strategies and let's talk a little bit about a little bit more in depth uh, what we talk about in this show, which is commercial real estate. Okay. Go ahead. Um, so the purpose of Noir Best Holdings, why I created that company with that name specifically, Noir is the French word for black and then invest, uh, just put that with invest. So Noir Best Holdings, because like I said at the beginning, I really want to empower um, minority and marginalized communities to build wealth. And through real estate, a lot of times they don't know that that's possible if they don't know anything about real estate or if they, they don't have the time to do it. You know, they don't realize that syndication is a thing, you know, or they don't have the opportunities brought to them because maybe they're not accredited, which in a lot of times, a lot of people, majority percentage wise are not in those communities. And so I, Noir Vest's purpose is to bring, accred, or bring um, syndication opportunities to those who are non-accredited. So I do still work with accredited investors. I'm still building up that investor base with anybody who is interested. But our main focus is really, we really wanna bring their dollars and help them build wealth and give them the tax advantages and just all those other benefits that they don't even know that they can get by investing in an asset class that stands the test of time and creates the most millionaires out of any other asset classes in the United States. And I just want the opportunity to be there for other people who normally don't see that opportunity. Um, so that's really the, the main point of Noir Vest mission. Um, right now we are starting, like I said, I'm starting, I started with the joint venture more as proof of concept and to really get my feet wet and learn how to asset manage and what the value add is and, and all of that before bringing in passive partners. But right now I'm with, I'm working with, two other people and we are doing direct to seller campaigns to get our deal flow so we can find those opportunities in this market which is pretty tough but you can't stop looking um everything's overpriced residential and commercial but we're still looking now for bigger deals that we can bring others along with us tell me something um you started speaking before about a value add strategy and i'm interested to hear what is, in your perspective, a value-add strategy that you guys like to work with? Meaning, what are you looking for when you find, you know, a property? Okay, I'm, f I'm looking for a property with such and such story problem, you know, slash issues. And that's the value-add aspect that I'm, you know, I would like to actually, that's the game I would like to play in that property. Okay. Um, so the type of properties we're looking for are B and C class assets that are either undermanaged, under-rented, uh, maybe they need some, uh, some face value kind of aesthetic up updates, nothing like structural or foundational, no serious issues, um, but just somebody who's kind of mom and pop who has either historically not known what to do with the property to run it efficiently or just didn't have the time or got older and they don't feel like managing it anymore that kind of situation and then you can go in renovate properties make them look nicer make them safe increase rent if they're below rent change management in a way that is optimizes tenant concerns and gets the maintenance issues in a timely manner and that type of thing and that's the reason i like commercial because you control the value of the building by how much money it brings in, you know, the net operating income. So if you can increase the income or decrease the expenses and just make that property run more efficiently, especially financially, 
then you can increase the value of the property and then turn around, you could refinance and then still have the, the rent paying the, the mortgage and paying the debt service and still be cash flowing. So you can get a, a chunk of money out and pass that to your investors as well. I love that. So it's, a, it's basically a core plus, what we call an income producing uh, property with some value as strategy, but not too aggressive that actually, you know, you're going to go into uh, some unknown uh, construction uh, phase or something that is, is really complicated or uh, some, you know, uh, when you have to stabilize the property in a way that will be really hurtful, like you have only 40% occupancy or something crazy like that. So you're going into something that has already, let's say 60% and up, uh, sometimes even 80% and up, but with some issues, uh, someone old who is not living, you know, at the same place is like an out of town guy, older, not really taking care of business. And you see the opportunity where you see the market and you want to bring it up to where the market is and you can actually stabilize it. And that's a beautiful idea. I love that concept. And I think this is actually the best way to start because it puts you in a place where you can actually have all because there's, there's nothing smooth. You already saw there's nothing smooth in this business. You know, every property you're going to get into has stories, has surprises, has issues. Every location has different, you know, stuff going on there. And as you're coming in, and I think that your strategy is brilliant because you're coming into stuff to such properties that don't have that much of an issue because you're saying, okay, that's a great way to start and brush up and, all, and for the investors as well, start building cash flow, start getting, start, you know, join our ship. You're going to, you're going to make a lot of money with us. I love that strategy. Tell me something. What is your strategy talking about strategy of uh, you already spoke about, you know, connecting with the right people, having the right partners in order to get the right deal flow, which is a challenge of its own. But, um, um, in terms of investors, what are you guys doing or, you know, in order to get the investors base? What type of activities you guys are going after? What do you do with that? Well, right now, my main strategy is um, just the way I'm posting on social media and making my presence known and educating. So the, the primary purpose of my post is to give education to those who are not aware of the strategies and let them know kind of what's possible, uh, especially with helping to increase and enhance their finances and that they, they don't know that they don't actually have to do and work, right? That, you know, if you find the great operators and the people who know what they're doing and they have like a track record, then, you know, you can, I mean, no investment is 100% guaranteed, right? But you can trust that that is going to come out the way that they are projected in their performer for the investments that come out. So it's really just giving the education, putting myself out there, letting people connect with me, being on phone calls, explaining to them, answering any questions that they may have, giving them resources that they may need um, to get started and to really dig into it a little bit deeper. So then that way also we already have a relationship. So when I do have a deal, I can email it out and let people know and then we can hop on calls and I can explain to them the process for that as well. So so right now, that's, the, that's how I've been trying to reach the people who I wanted to reach as far as anyone interested in investing passively. Not only that, but they hear your story and they definitely will connect with someone who 
came up from nothing and, and, and started building up. I love that. It's great. Tell me something. Which um, location you guys are focused on? Because you just said you're in the New York area. I'm also a New Yorker, not in New York right now, but uh, uh, a New York person. Um, where are you guys... Where do you guys focus? Which locations? Which markets? And why? Yeah. So I'm in um, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. And uh, we have also extended in because the market is so tight there. Inventory is really, really tight. So we've expanded to southeast Pennsylvania because that's a lot of growth is happening in that part of the state. Um, but Lehigh Valley, really, because it's one of those, and this is what's happening even before COVID hit, that a lot of people were we're going to that area and it's, it's pretty centrally located between Philadelphia and New York City. So it's kind of easy to get to. It's right by the Poconos. There's, you know, there's driving distance. Entertainment yeah, yeah, yeah. Centers there. Yeah. It's just like a, cent- a good centrally located um, market. You just have to go through the Verrazano Bridge. The, uh, so <laughs> that's the yeah. only thing. But um, yeah. It's, it sounds good. sounds good, especially in the winter. You can go through the Poconos and get some skiing done. So that's, uh, yeah. that's not bad either. Uh, yeah. But um, I, I, love, I love the perspective and the location. It's great. Um, how often do you need to go back and forth in order to look for properties or, or, you know, between the online search and the phone calls you do and you make and the Zooms and all that stuff to actual going and seeing you would say once a month, more or less? Oh, way less. I have, um, so I'll say too, when I started looking at real estate, I was, when I joined, uh, after I refinanced and I joined the education and coaching community, I was about like seven and a half months pregnant. Um, so I used my maternity leave to start building a presence there. And I would drive out, you know, maybe a couple of times a week and meet with brokers, look at properties, like go to meetups because they were still in person at that time, go to meetups and meet investors in the area. And just so like I could establish my face there and be kind of known as boots on the ground or let them know that that's a market I'm looking at. But then, you know, COVID hit. So things kind of slowed down and everything went virtual. But since then, I think I didn't go back physically until we got into contract with the six unit and then I went for the inspection, like the pre-purchase inspection. I went for that to meet the inspector. I actually met the seller at the same time because I didn't realize she would be at the inspection. Um, but just to see in person the property and, and to walk it and everything. Right. And then um, I've probably gone back like once or twice since then. But we have our property management on the, on the ground. I actually have another partner who is local. He's not a partner on the six unit. But if I needed anything, because of the relationships that I've established on my maternity leave when I was going out there, I do know some people in the area that if I needed other resources that for some reason my property management wasn't able to get, um, I have other people to reach out to who are boots on the ground there. Nicole, I really love your story and I love the way you moved ahead. And this is an incredible thing. Um, you guys are listening to such unique story and you see the links above, below, and you can get in touch with Nicole. Nicole, tell us a little bit. Tell everybody where they can find you uh, if they want to join you, look at a deal together, invest with you, et cetera, learn from you, because um, there's definitely some, some very, very cool stuff to learn from. Thank you. Thank you. Well, um, you can go to my website, 
uh, you can reach me on all my social media channels there. You can message me there. Um, it's noirvestholdings.com, N-O-I-R-V-E-S-T holdings.com. I'm also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and I'm pretty active on all three of those. Um, on LinkedIn, it's just my name, Nicole Pendergrass. On, on Facebook as well, but on Instagram, it's nvestornicki, N-V-E-S-T-O-R-N-I-K-K-I. Um, and I, I'll give all those links so people can just, you know, click on the links and find me easily, but message me on any of those channels and I'm, I'm active on all of them and I can get back to you ASAP. I would love to chat. Nicole, really, thank you so much for your time. It was really exciting and I wish you really all the best and success. And I'm sure we're going to hear a lot about, uh, you know, portfolios upon portfolios that you're going to build. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here. Thank you for the honor. Thank you so much. You guys, I'll see you in the next show. Take care. Hey guys, thanks for joining me in this CRE Shark Eye show. I hope you enjoyed it and go subscribe, download, do whatever you guys need to do. And I'll see you in the next episode. Take care of yourselves.